Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. For me, it was the right fit against the New York Giants. Like, this is, this is the New York Giants. If you don't like it, then you're welcome to leave. But that's the way that we do things around here. Man, I'm so blessed. It's crazy. I've been manifesting New York. I kind of had a feeling it was going to be New York, but now that we're here, man, God is good. Once a giant, always a giant. For me, it's only a giant. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of All In with Art Stapleton, a New York Giants podcast brought to you by the USA Today Network. I am your host, Art Stapleton, and the time is now. We're heading into Labor Day weekend. Cuts are in the rear view. There's no more preseason. It's about week one, Nashville, Tennessee, Giants versus Titans. And ready or not, here comes the Joe Shane, Brian Dable era. They've cleaned up what they can clean up. They've added what they've added. They've subtracted what they've subtracted. They've done what they can to make this better, a better roster and a better team. And it's an evolution at this point from really week to week to see where this team is on week one and then where it will go. On today's show, my interview with captain of the New York Giants, Julian Love, one of the the longest tenured Giants, which is pretty crazy, and someone who who will have a significant role on the back end of Wink Martindale's defense. I think you're going to love this interview with Julian. He is the first two-time all-in guest as far as players go. Of course, Peter Schrager from Good Morning Football and the NFL Network was a two-timer during the offseason with his breakdown of the head coaching and GM candidates. And then obviously, uh, once the hires were made, we brought Peter back uh, regarding the draft. Uh, So Julian had a lot of good things to say. I think he gives great insight into not only the relationship with Wink Martindale, his relationship with Xavier McKinney, where this defense is, and a little bit of history for the New York Giants that people don't want to relive which has been his tenure here, a whole lot of losing, not necessarily thrown at his feet, but this is his third coaching staff, and he had a lot of things to say that I think you might find interesting in terms of where they're at, where they've been, and what he wants for his individual future. So we'll get to that in a second. Of course, we'll also have the final drive, your fan questions that were submitted via Twitter, Hashtag all in art. You can send them in every week. And it's been a great segment. I love closing every show with it to kind of show our commitment to you, the audience. Today was the Giants' last practice, quote unquote, of the summer. They go into a break this weekend, Labor Day. They'll have three days off, the players will. And then when. They come back on Monday, Labor Day. 
they'll have they'll practice Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then have Thursday off, and then they'll come back Friday, and then travel day on Saturday with a walkthrough, and then Sunday, September 11th, down in Nashville against the Titans. We will be there, uh, so now is as good as time as any to remind you. Please subscribe. Get a d- digital subscription to NorthJersey.com. You can find that online. And if you are not in the NorthJersey.com coverage area, but you are in the Low Hud area in Westchester County, go to Low, Low Hud. A digital subscription will get you all of my Giants coverage. Same deal with Asbury Park Press. If you are in the Asbury Park Press area and you want that local news coverage plus my Giants coverage, get a digital pr- subscription there and that will cover it. So if you're somewhere across the country and not local, but you're from New Jersey originally and you want the local news coverage of the area that you're familiar with, plus our Giants coverage, just go to that site, get a digital subscription, and you're all good. Right now we're running a special $22 for two full years and the Giants hope that those two full years, at the end of it, they won't have another coaching search because Brian Dable is aiming to be the first coach to, since Tom Coughlin to last more than two years. We've had a run of three firings with the Giants from Ben McAdoo to Pat Shermer to Joe Judge, and now Brian Dable uh, has the reins of this program. So before I get to my interview with Julian Love, and we'll have those questions and answers as part of the final drive. Today was our first day back in the locker room since Pat Shermer was head coach. Because of the pandemic, the 2019 finale was the last time we were in the Giants locker room. Now, we were in the locker room in the preseason, but that's at out on site. We were at Gillette Stadium, and then we were in the locker room at MetLife for the Giants games against the Bengals and the Jets. Nowhere near the same as being in the locker room during the regular season. A lot of things have changed since I've been there. Number one, the last time we were in there, Eli Manning was still on the team. Now Eli Manning is represented by a plaque atop his former locker, that is now being used by Nick Williams, defensive lineman. Saquon Barkley has moved in the locker room. Sterling Shepard has moved from one side to the other. Daniel Jones has moved. He is now in the locker that used to be occupied by Julian Love. Julian Love has now moved uh, with some of the DBs across the other side. Interesting placement. You have Daniel Jones with Kadarius Tony on one side of him. And then on the other side, you have Davis Webb with Saquon Barkley to his right and Kenny Galladay to his left. That's always an interesting combination. So we were back in the locker room, got a lot of bun- a lot of tidbits. I'll share some of those in the final drive. But without further ado, I want to get to Julian Love, and I hope you enjoy it. Okay, joining me now for this week's 
interview. We are in the field house after Wednesday's practice. I'm trying to go through the calendar. <laughs> Captain of the New York Giants, Julian Love. I've been with you since the first day you walked in this building. What does that sound like, Captain of the New York Giants? <laughs> I mean, it sounds fitting, I would say. Um, you know, I feel like nobody on this team knows the experience more than me right now of what it means like what it means to lead this team, be selfless. Um, and so, yeah, I'm excited to be in this position now. You've gone through – let's go through your journey a little bit here. You <laughs> get here as a, a fourth-round pick, right? Did yeah, I have that fourth right? round. Um, and you go through – this is now your third coaching staff, second <laughs> front office. Uh, if anybody needed an introduction to the business of the NFL and what it's like once you realize that dream – it's you. Do you ever take a step back? I would imagine you've had to take several step back, <laughs> steps back to gain a perspective as to what you've seen here. A hundred percent. Like you said, I've t- taken several steps back and I like, have to evaluate things, um, you know, evaluate myself, evaluate kind of the situation. Because you know, it's, been, it's been a hard couple of years, honestly, you know. <laughs> the fans know it. You know it. Everybody knows it. It's been a hard few years. And so when you're in it, you're giving it your all, you know, and, you know, some things still aren't going your way. Um, you gotta, you know, you gotta be honest, and you gotta be forgiving in the same same way um, with yourself. And just you know, in these past few years, I've just you know, told myself, listen, this is for a cause. It's all going to work itself out. Um, and I'm a big believer in that, and so that's what my mindset has been these past few years. You came in here yesterday, you know, after they announced the captains, and we found out you started telling that story, and and you definitely got a little emotional. Take yeah. me back. Uh, describe the scene. You described it a little bit yesterday, so. Dave's gets in the middle of the meeting and, yeah. or was it on practice field and starts announcing guys what what are you hearing in that moment what, what were the emotions like there yeah so you know we voted for it in the morning um, and then he announced it after our, our morning walkthrough and it was just you know honestly I, I touched on it yesterday or when I was announced um, it was a sense of you know I knew I would have my name be voted on I, without a doubt I knew it I know guys see me in that light um just the way it was shaking out, I was like, all right, I'm like split offense or defense and special teams. I'm sure if you add up all of it total, I was probably on most ballots, um, but I was split defense and special teams. So I think Dave's kind of threw me a bone there. Um, but it just means a lot, you know? And so he announced it and, you know, my mindset for it was, you know, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. So uh, as he's rattling the, the names off, what did he start with the offense? Name yeah, the three offense, guys, defense, defense. special teams. Um, and so he named, you know, the nine guys, and I was like, oh, okay, like, it's okay. This is, I've been down this path. I think I was more emotional that I got it than I didn't. You know, I would have I just kept on pushing, like, always. Um, and so, yeah, it was kind of a, like a, I don't know, like I said, he threw me a bone. He, I mean, to kind of name my name last, I was like, wow. Well, I don't know about it. I throw your bone in, in context. Sounds <laughs> in like context. he gave you something that you didn't deserve, but clearly yeah. you had more than enough votes in two different categories, yeah. basically. Yeah, you know, and by that point when he named all of them, you know, some guys were kind of saying like, J-Love, like J-Love, J-Love. Um, because, you know, they kind of know what I, I bring to the table um, as an athlete, as a player, um, but as, as, you know, as a person on the team, as a leader, a voice that, if I can relate and speak to anybody. How the heck, we, we heard you say it yesterday, first time in your life you've ever been a captain. <laughs> How does that happen? What You've been one of the most talented players, most productive players on every team you've played for. Yeah. Is it one of those things where you just... Yeah, I mean, you know, I feel like it's just the story of 
my life, my career, um, you know, kind of the, you know, you know, back in high school. And it's no, really, there was no slight against the captains I had. You know, my going into my senior year, there was one captain, and they voted for you know, the quarterback of my team. I was the best player on the team. Um, but they didn't see me in that light to be the, the guy with the captain and the, upper, the guys above me. And so, you know, at that point, at that time, I was a little, not a little, I was upset by it. I was like, man, like, like I've led this team. This is my team. Uh, but I learned early. And, you know, that guy who became a captain, he was my best friend to this day, one of my closest friends. Um, What's his name? Give him a shout out. His name is Carson Bartels. And okay. just, uh, we grew up together. And so it's like, it was no nothing against him. Um, and from that point, I took it as, you know what, he has the C or whatever, he's the main captain, but I'm in this with him. Like, all other seniors took it upon ourselves to really help him out and, you know, be supportive and be leaders and vocal people on the team because I know guys, no matter what role I had, were going to look to me for, you know, for answers for stuff. And so that's what I did. And so then going to college, you know, I went to Notre Dame, a prestigious school. Yeah. I grew up a fan, so I love the culture, I love the tradition, I want to be a part of something bigger. And then I was faced with a decision after my junior year um, to enter the draft, you know, kind of bet on myself type of thing. I was coming off a consensus All-American year, so, you know, it really wasn't a hard choice in that aspect, but part of it was, you know, I didn't just join it for the business of it. I joined, or I went to Notre Dame because I just love the school. I love what it represented. And so, you know, you know, at the time, uh, one of the coaches, I won't say who, but one of the, you know, the coaches, uh, he said, you stay, like you should say you're going to be a captain next year. Like, this is your opportunity and all that stuff. Right. And, and that was hard. And that honestly was like, it was the best choice for me to leave. But at the same time, it was still a heartbreaking choice because something I've always pictured myself being, I, I didn't have the chance to get. Right. And, uh, you know, so my friends will tell you, like, you were the captain in our hearts. You would have been it, like, without <laughs> a doubt. But, you know, the decision was has been made. Um, and so that's kind of the story of the and two now places. You're here. And yeah. Now here, then yeah, I mean year four, I, you know third coaching staff. It's been a, uh, it's been a uh, <laughs> up and down. It's been you know a lot of trials and tribulations for sure, um, but it's all meant to be. As a as a player, I know you've kind of touched on this this summer. Mm. Uh, it seems like this defense, and no disrespect to your roles in the previous two defenses that yeah. you've been in, it seems like this defense, it, it's. Maybe it's because of the personnel around you. Maybe it's just based on opportunity and where you are. You seem most comfortable in what mm-hmm. you're doing now as opposed to the last couple of years. It doesn't mean you're not comfortable before, yeah. but is that fair? And why do you think that is? I mean, honestly, I credit it to, you know, I have a good, really good rapport with our DB coach, Jerome Henderson and Mike Trier, um, Trier. Um, both those guys, are just you know, it's easy to communicate with them. So that has built. Oh, they've been with them now, going on three years. That's true. For all the for all the change, all the change you've actually I've had, had that stability in them. So that's one thing. But that probably the biggest thing is honestly my relationship with Wink. Um, I've never had. I I feel like I've been saying this a lot. This I've never had type of thing. But never had a, a deep corner like him, a guy who I can actually talk to about. Other than like stuff, other than football, um, I had some great coordinators in my time, you know, in college and in, in the league and all that stuff. But I never had somebody who I can communicate with as clearly and as calmly and as normally as as Wink about football or about even off the football, football life, golf, sports, anything. He's just a guy who's just you know his. We care about what we, with the product we're putting on the field. He's hard on me and Zay more than anybody, but at the same time, he realizes okay, like people have families, people have hobbies. 
our whole life isn't in this building. And and so that's it just off rip. When I first met him, it was so easy to talk to him. I'm like, wow, like this is gonna be different. And in terms of, you know, my role and being comfortable with the defense, you know, I I'll stay on obviously it's myself, I'll stand on the table more than anybody out there. I believe what I put on the field the past few years has been really good football. Um, you know, I felt like I was productive in 50% of defensive snaps last year. Um, and, of course, I'm biased. I, I'm going to bet on myself and tell people like I, I'm deserving of it. Um, but that's just how I felt. And so going to this year, having an opportunity, I just knew it was my time um, because I've been showing what I have in the a sample size of right. snaps. To me, it felt. Uh, do you relish the opportunity to go from people talking about what Julian Love can't do on the football field <laughs> to now people talking about what you can do? Because it seems like that's kind of been a little bit of an underlying theme this summer. No one's saying what J-Love can't do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's it's funny how that goes. I feel like, you know, there's, you know, there's critics and, you know, fans and, you know, all sorts of angles people, you know, come from and talk from. But... You know, at the end of the day, I've I've risen through each rank. Um, you know, without being the fastest guy in the world, the strongest guy in the world, I just put it simply as me being just a really good football player. Um, and to my eyes, that means, you know, I reflect back to my when I was eight years old playing uh, crest to carrier or just pick up football games, like <laughs> so to speak. To this day, I feel like I'm the guy who's picked first. And that's not because I'm, like I said, the fastest or strongest or blah, blah, blah. It's because I'm all around just a good football player. Right. Like, you've seen it. You need me to play nickel, I could execute a nickel. You need me to play corner, free safety, strong safety, linebacker, holder, like special teams. I don't think there's a phase of the game where I am not capable of being great at. And it's been tough because it's like, it's, for you, for example, like, say you are <laughs> given political columns, you know, right. over and over and over. Um, or that's that's what your strong suit is, but then they tell you to all right, write a little uh, gossip stuff, write a little humor, uh, sketch a cartoon or two. Right. You're going to be, you know, kind of decent at all of it. But if you were locked into one thing, you'd be successful. And that's how I feel like with me. It's been tough at times, training, cross training, all over the place. That me allowing, like allowing myself to put it in one position, is just going to see my game rise. The pairing of you and Xavier yeah. uh, on the back end. I didn't notice last year that whether you guys were close, not close. I mean, sometimes you see guys on the field, you're like, oh, those guys are probably close off the field, that kind yeah. of thing. But how has that relationship grown to the point where it's reflecting on your bond on the field and how you play off one another? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> we were close. It was, and honestly, the situation was just a lot different these past two years, you know, in terms of. <laughs> in terms of everything, really, in terms of everything. Uh, like in what way? Like with the coaches, and, with, with what was asked of you as players? Is that Yeah, well, that's of us. Like, you know, it was seen as like a, you know, I'll, I'll just say this. You know, this year, Wink has said, listen, you two, we're going to, you know, you know, say it was Leo and Dex, me and Zay. We, we're going to need you guys to be, build off each other. We're going to hold you guys accountable higher than the next person. Um, and... So that's what it's been. And honestly, since the season ended, we have been in constant communication. You know, he was at my wedding. Uh, we've just been, you know, we've grown close because we realize what's on at, what's at stake. I I know he's very vocal about him being tired of losing. I 
I gotta see this thing turn around as well. I'm tired of it. I've been in it obviously a year longer than him. Um, but it's it's onus on both of us, and I think that's what makes us close right now. Um, and we're both just young guys, you know. We, we can relate a little more than you know somebody with a big age gap. Take me through. Uh, you know, I was trying to go through it last night. I remember last time we were in the locker room together. Mm. Uh, Mike Thomas was here, right? Yeah. That, you know, so that's how long ago uh-huh. <laughs> this was. And Mike Thomas is basically, you know, a team removed, the Super Bowl removed. Um, yep. For all the leaders that you've had in the secondary, guys who were the captains mm-hmm. back there, shoot shoot to me a little bit. What are some of the best advice from some of the guys that you've played with that you've respected as captains? Man, I'll throw it back to, uh, I think, you know, somebody I've had, I only had my rookie year, but rookie year is a very influential year in one's career. And so Mike Thomas is like probably towards the top of my list just because that was a guy who's really my role model in seeing the field. Like I was fighting my ass off for a shot my rookie year right. as somebody who was highly tied out of college which was a tough thing for me at the time and Mike Thomas has always gassed me up he always gave confidence in me and I think it's just that I, when I reflect on me being a leader now I I want to show love to the next guy I want to show love to the young guys who are constantly getting you know <laughs> you know broken down or coached right. up and all this stuff I want to be that, that Mike Thomas for the next person and to this day me and Mike T are close and then, you know, I had great leaders, you know, of experience. Like Antoine Bethea was a great leader for me my rookie year. Uh, then I had, you know, Logan was good because he was, you know, honestly, his position these past, you know, however many years he's been in the league is similar to kind of what I know I can do. Um, obviously, I want to take it to a higher level um, as a competitor, but I could see similarities in our games. And so that was somebody who I, I learned a lot from. Um, and then... You know, aside from that, players-wise, I just there's some people in the building that I just have always, you know, uh, have always learned from, has always built off of that. One, the main guy probably is uh, Coach T Mac, the special teams coordinator. You know, he was some, he was the only he's been the only staple in my career here, um, yeah. and I'm very grateful for that because he's a guy I, I just understand. He's a guy who tells me straight what it is. Um, like he, it's like, well, he doesn't even just say things sometimes in the special teams meetings, and I just know what he means or what point he's trying to make. Um, and that's a relationship that, you know, <laughs> consistency has built, uh, having him for four years. And so I would say he's up there, and he's a coach, not a player. But Gotcha. And then Zay's on his way. Zay, you know, <laughs> I see Zay as a friend <laughs> more than, right. like, a mentor <laughs> like that. But, you know, Zay's on his way to be a really good leader for this team. Um Let's talk about. I mean, what's that say? You had you had some year. You get married to your college sweetheart. <laughs> yeah, uh, high school sweetheart. Uh, really, high, all the yeah. way back to high school. Oh, I yeah. knew it was college. I yeah. didn't realize it was high school. High school. So shout out Julia. Yeah. Um, but you get married. You come in here. Another new coaching staff. You're going into the final year. Your rookie contract. I've got to imagine if you allow it to be a whirlwind, it becomes a whirlwind. Mm-hmm. But how grounded are you now? Feeling that. You're going to have an opportunity to put your roots down here and be here beyond your rookie contract and yeah. make this your home, which it has been for four years. Yeah, you know, that's what I'm fighting for. I'm fighting to make <laughs> the decision for this team very tough. I'm going to play the best I can play, um, you know, for them to really want to keep me here. Um, and because, you know, I, I've loved it here. I've really just everything but our win and loss record, I've loved about this team. Um, what it represents, you know, this community has been just really, really fun. And throughout this this year, especially, all I can do is focus on kind of 
<laughs> what's at hand. I, I tell my wife all the time, I operate really two to three days at a time. Like I just can't look in the future at all. And so when it was wedding time, I was fully locked in the wedding time. And then post-wedding, the honeymoon, I was so locked in the honeymoon, it was beautiful. But then once that was over, I'm like, okay, I'm so excited for camp. I can't wait to get back here to really earn what I know I can earn. Um, and now that you know we're through camp, so to speak, and we're getting ready for the season, now I'm locked into that. It's full steam ahead. I, I feel today I felt rejuvenated out there. Um, I know like it's time for everything I've thought of, everything I've visualized these past you know six seven months is is coming soon. Julian Love, as always, great. You are the first player to be on this podcast two times you're, you're the kidding only, the only other person was Peter Schrager from uh, Good Morning Football he came on twice during the coach and the GM search two times. So. also you need to get a new name tag I'm looking at this thing and what that has to be an old photo so oh old. it's an old photo <laughs> come on yeah, hey. that's an OG photo look when you get fat and old like me Please. you gotta stick with that or old you photo or are you mid 20s in that well that's yeah early I probably 30s. was late, yeah the early 30s I would say but for you Good you know grief. that's like you when you have your clean shaven over at Notre Dame come on <laughs> oh yeah I did Cliches. I've seen that around. Yeah, so. Before every game, I used to shave. <laughs> <laughs> no more. No more. No right? more. Well, listen, Julian Love, thank you. Best of luck this year. Stay healthy. Again, congrats on your wedding and wearing that C proudly on your chest. Always a pleasure. All right. Thanks, Art. All right. Thanks again to Julian Love. And as you can tell, we have a pretty good relationship. I've been here from when he walked into the locker room for the first time. Uh, could not be happier for a guy to be a captain. And he may have said that Brian Dable threw him a bone. Uh, I think it says a lot that he got votes to be captain both on defense and special teams. Uh, so a lot of good feelings regarding Julian Love going into this season. You heard what he said. He wants to earn and prove that he deserves another contract here to stay with the Giants. They have a crowded safety room right now in a span of 48 hours they went from three guys to now they have six guys back in the fold so uh, we'll get into that a little bit in the final drive your questions my answers and it's a way for us to engage with you the fans and listeners of all in so without further ado let's jump right in there eric campen in reference to julian love what is a dream season for him? How does it play out? And who does he miss the most from his rookie season? You know, that's a tough question. I wish I had these questions before I did the interview with Julian. Um, but I think he kind of gave you a little bit of an idea of the guys in the safety room that he respected as leaders. So when he was a rookie, I believe it was Antoine Bethay and Mike Thomas that that really uh, set the tone in there. Obviously, Bethay was a leader, but uh, his game really had betrayed him at that point. Uh, and Mike T, even though he had uh, some reps on defense, he was really a special teams guy. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, I think I thought an interesting answer was the Thomas McGahey answer in terms of who's had a big impact of him with the Giants. Uh, as far as a dream scenario for him this season I think it's to finish the season the way he starts it as one of the leaders of this team on defense especially and on special teams I think he wants to play as many games as he can 
you know, so obviously you want to play 17 games and have an impact and find a role not only on defense but special teams because that's how you stick around onto a second contract in this league. So that's what I would say for him. Uh, there's going to be a lot of competition in this room. You know, so I think with the additions of Tony Jefferson to the practice squad, but I believe that's just the designation. I think he'll be a part of the active roster when he gets up to speed. Uh, I think Jason Pinnock, who was claimed on waivers from the Jets, I think he'll have a role on this defense. I think Dane Belton uh, is healing up to the point where he could have an impact early on this season. And then, of course, you have Xavier McKinney. So uh, as far as those guys go, I think um, I think Love will be in the mix, but I think also he will have a big role on special teams as well. Uh, plays into what I just talked about. Uh, Jimmy says, do you think the Jefferson signing plus the addition of Pinnock may move Julian Love back to outside corner? You know, I'm not really sure. I don't think that Julian is uh, the prototypical corner in Wink's defense. Uh, He'll play physical on the outside, but I don't know how much press man he would play. Um, And, you know, I think think they like the role that Julian's in right now. I think Wink's going to have packages where he'll have three and four safeties on the field. He wants versatility. Uh, and I think Love will have an impact there. Now, can he play there in a pinch? I would think he'll play there in a pinch, but I wouldn't expect a move back to corner, especially when you bring in a guy like Pinnock, who comes from being a corner. I know Julian did too, but Pinnock might have a little bit more on the outside to offer uh, in a pinch uh, than Julian would. Uh, so that would bring me to the the next question. Some of these are are kind of intertwined. NYG Mason asks, while A-Rob is young, Aaron Robinson, obviously there's been concern over his play. Any thoughts on shifting Darnay or Julian to a corner role, CB2? Uh, I know peeps say Darnay is undersized, but Rondé Barber, Jack Rabbit were 5'10 too, and smaller corners have historically done fine. Thanks for the question, Mason. You've been a regular on this segment. Uh, I think they're going to let it fly with Aaron Robinson to start the season. And if he has a rough day against Ryan Tannehill and company down in Nashville, I think that's when you may see the Giants go to the free agent market and maybe bring one of those veterans in, uh, a Joe Hayden, uh, somebody like that that's still on the market, that if they're signed after week one, that their contract isn't fully guaranteed for the entire season. Uh, but I think they're going to ride with Aaron Robinson. Look, some parts of this is coming to grips with the idea that the Giants are all about developing this year. They need to develop. And yes, Aaron Robinson may take his lumps and may struggle. And if his struggles overwhelm the defense, then they will have to find a replacement on the outside. But I think they're going to let him take his lumps a little bit early on to see if he can come out of it, see if he can develop, and see if the experience helps him become a better player. Because this is a team that is not primed to make a playoff run. Could they make that happen? Sure. We've seen crazy things happen in the NFL, 
and you win a couple games here and there that you're not supposed to win, and all of a sudden everybody looks at it and says, where did this team come from? But I think their best move right now is to let Aaron Robinson develop, put him out there, see how he goes, and then you know your limits. If it gets to the point where it's hurting your overall defensive product and it's costing you games, well, then you make a move and you try to do things uh, to solidify this season. But uh, I think right now, uh, I wouldn't expect Darnay to get a shot outside. I think he's in the slot with Cordell Flott. I think Cordell Flott has a better chance to bump outside to the boundary if all things are equal uh, and maybe give him a shot if Aaron Robinson falters or if he's injured and not out there. But good question, Mason. I think I think we kind of have to give it a wait and see. Uh, I believe that they are going to allow him to be out there in the fire a little bit and see if he can come out of it. Uh, let's see. Who else we got? Manny. My man Manny Madrigal. Uh Apologize if I pronounce your name wrong, but I know there's a question mark at left guard with the Lemieux injury, but what is a reasonable expectations fans can have for this offensive line and how well they play this year? Uh, great question, Manny, and we've been kicking this around a little bit. I do think there's a hole at left guard. I'm not sure if the starter is on the team yet, which is a little scary this close to the season. Uh, but we'll have to wait and see. I don't know if Josh Azudu, as a rookie, is ready for that. He's also been on and off the field this summer, dealing with some things that have been undisclosed. So I think, uh, for the most part, the expectation for this offensive line should be you have a cornerstone at left tackle. You hope your right tackle and Evan Neal can develop quickly and improve week to week. I think Mark Glowinski at right guard is everything the Giants thought they would have with Kevin Zeitler and maybe the coaching staff last year soured on that because of the cap number. And I think Glowinski is going to be solid. I think he helps Erevin Neal a little bit. I think John Feliciano will be serviceable at center. I think he kind of brings the attitude that Bobby Johnson wants up front. He needs to stay healthy, obviously. Uh, and then left guard is a mystery. Does Jack Anderson get into that mix? He was just claimed from the Eagles. He was with the Bills a little bit beginning of last season, so he's familiar with Bobby Johnson and Brian Dable's offense. Uh, is there someone else out there that they may end up acquiring that can play that left guard spot? It remains to be seen. But overall, if you consider where the Giants are coming from collectively as an offensive line, if they get to... 15th in the league or even 20th in the league that's a leap forward I don't think they believe they've fixed this offensive line I don't think Joe Shane is putting a a flag at the middle of the practice field and saying mission accomplished I think they like some of the pieces they have I think they'll continue to look to upgrade and I think ultimately this will be a better unit overall this will be a better offense overall because of the plan schematically that they put together week to week. And I think they have struggled with that in past seasons. And that's been obvious in what we've seen. So, all right, we had questions from Eric, Manny, Jimmy. All right, I think we got two more. Isaac Medina. Isaac's another regular. How many injured players we can expect that will be ready for week one? Well, I think you're going to have... 
Kadarius Tony in week one. He talked in the locker room today. He said he was ready to go. So that's always a big plus if you can get him on the field. We'll have to wait and see until that Sunday morning if Kadarius is out there, given his history, the way things have gone. But I would anticipate he's out there. Uh, I think it's still an uncertainty and a little bit of a mystery as far as Kayvon Thibodeau or Aziz Ojolari. Aziz has a calf. Kayvon has the knee. Uh, We haven't seen them. The Giants are being smart. Let them treat it inside in the facility. Uh, They're with the team. They're in meetings. But no reason to be out on the practice field if you're not going to practice. So we'll get a better sense of those guys beginning of the week to see if they're out there on the practice field, giving it a chance uh, to be out there. Uh, I'm trying to think of any other injury guys. We know Lemieux is out. I told you Azudu. I don't know what his situation is. But overall, I I think Leonard Williams will be out there. That's not a question. Uh, Blake Martinez should be out there on the field. Uh, And other than that, I don't really have uh, any other any other injuries that I can think of. All right, we're going to go with the closer, Julio Sousa. Uh, Julio is another regular. Do you think the Giants got stuck with the problems with Tony and Galladay? Do they have a second plan in regards to being productive on offense without those guys? Love the podcast. Appreciate it, Julio. Uh, I don't think they are looking for an alternative plan to to Tony and Galladay. Uh, Joe Shane dropped the the nugget today that Galladay had an offseason procedure. That's why he wasn't on the field in the spring. Maybe that sheds a little bit of light on his summer, that he wasn't as active and didn't look like he was pushing it at 100% at times. Uh, But he was out there all the time in the summer. And he said today, you know, look, I I took that as a positive, that I was out there every day practicing uh, and doing what we have to do to get ready for the season. Uh, I do think that this is just a a situation with Tony and Galladay that the Giants are going to hope that they can get something out of them. I think Tony more than Galladay. Galladay is not going to be left off this team because of the financial implications. Tony, could he be traded in the offseason? We'll have to wait and see. But can they get something out of these two guys within this offense? That's a big question, and I'm not sure anybody knows uh, the legitimate answer to that. But that wraps up the final drive segment. Appreciate everyone engaging this week. And as a reminder, every week just shows you you're all in. You know our commitment, so we're all in together. We'll catch you next week. Week one, Giants-Titans. It's getting close.